And with seeking God's blessing, we can turn to the portion of God's word that we have read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the first verse. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And when Reverend Kenneth Ferguson was here recently, he explained what this verse meant, that our earthly home going to be destroyed was death, but that there was something ahead for the Lord's people. The subject I'm going to have tonight is not a, an easy subject to preach on in a sense. It is not pleasant to be talking about death. But I want to have three points taken out of this verse. First of all, what happens to the believer at death? And secondly, as verse 10 tells us, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then finally, the final state after the resurrection and the final state of the Lord's people in the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. First of all then, what happens to the Lord's people at their death? Well, we all know in this island and indeed throughout the world that they are put into a grave. That is the custom. But the believer goes into a tomb, into a grave, with two special things about it. The first one of them is this, that the believer goes into a tomb, but he or she is still united to Christ. The souls of believers at death are made perfect in holiness and to immediately pass into glory. But their bodies being still united to Christ doth wait in the grave until the day of the resurrection. And the second important thing about the grave of the believer is this. That the believer goes into a grave and the sting has been taken out of death and the victory out of the grave for the believer. Sin, sin is the sting of death. And the wages of sin is death. There was a covenant made between Adam, between God, should I say, and Adam. You can eat of all the trees in the garden, but the tree that is in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat. But he broke that covenant. 
And with the breaking of that covenant, sin came into this world and death by sin. Wages of sin. But there was another covenant made between God and his sin, his own beloved son. Go down, take the punishment of those that believe in you upon yourself on the cross. So that is why the sting has been taken out of the grave of the believer. Because he has already taken that sting of death upon himself. On the cross, he suffered what me and you should have suffered forever and ever in hell. He tasted hell for the believer and he took everything to himself. Freed from the curse, the curse of God, he took all that to himself. And what about the sting of death, and the victory out of the grave. How did he take the victory? How did Christ take the victory out of the grave for his people? He took the victory out of the grave for his people by coming out himself. He rose triumphantly out of the grave. He is alive at the right hand of God tonight interceding for us and the great proof that God was fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is that he took him out of the tomb and no wonder then it says in the Bible who can lay any charge to God's elect it is God that justifies it is Christ who died and rose again. And I think we had a little bit of this in the morning. He destroyed. Christ destroyed him who had the power of death. And that is Satan. Satan thought, well, if I get them into the grave, I will keep them there. But no. Christ destroyed him that had the power of death, Satan, and he came out of the tomb. Now that is, that is the body I am talking about, first of all. What about the soul that I have said that has gone into glory? What about the soul? While well, the soul is alive in heaven, at this very moment, the souls of believers at their death. The, the Bible talks about falling asleep in Jesus. That is the body. They are asleep, as, as if you would go to bed at night. They are asleep in the grave. As he would be asleep in your bed, waiting for the alarm clock to wake you up. 
and they will be woken up. There will be an alarm clock. Christ will come again and the sound of the trumpet will sound and those that are in the grave on that day will know that it has something to do with themselves as well. This whole tonight is alive and the soul is able to speak and the soul is able to sing praises to God, singing the the song of Moses and of the Lamb into him that loved us and washed us from, from our sins in his own blood. And they are having fellowship with Christ tonight. And they are having fellowship with people that they knew in this world and people that they did not know in this world. Even in this, and I'm calling it the intermediate state, that is not the final state of the believer. We'll get that, I hope, at the end. So there is the certainty of death but there is also the survival, the certainty of the survival of the soul after death. As the chapter tells us, away from the body and at home with the Lord. And the state they are in tonight is a sinless state. They are perfect. Nothing will go in that will mar the place that they are in. No sin and no Satan and they are alive there. And I think the vote of transfiguration has always fascinated me. Where we find there two people coming to strengthen Christ, along with an angel, of course, as well, as he was setting his face towards the cross of Calvary. One of them had left this world 1,500 years before, and the other had left this world 800 years before. But yet, they were seen there, speaking with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it had such a tremendous effect on Peter, James, and John, especially Peter. They got a foretaste, a small foretaste of what heaven was going to be like. And he did not want to go down at all at all. Let us make three tents up here and stay up here. Not realizing that if Christ was going to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration, we would have no hope. You see, that wasn't the reason he came. He came so that he would go down and suffer many things and be crucified and rise on the third day. That's why he came into this world. A great uh, American divine of the last century, Jonathan Edwards, he said that the souls of believers in heaven tonight 
have two lungs in their soul. But the longings that they had was not taking anything away from the blessed state that they were in. And the first longing was a longing for the soul to be reunited to the body, which will happen when he comes the second time. We will touch on that later on. And the second longing was this, a longing that me and you as believers would be with them where they are, that the militant church would be with the triumphant church in heaven in such that the whole body of Christ would be together forever and ever. I cannot leave this without saying this. What about the unbeliever? I'm not saying that anybody knows who is the unbeliever or who are the believers. Only God knows that. That's not what I'm saying. But what is Christ saying about the unbeliever? Well, Christ is saying this, that two people died and one of them was an unbeliever and the other was a believer. And the believer died and we find him in the bosom of Abraham. And the unbeliever, he died. Where do we find him? We find him in the pains of hell. And strangely, he did not even ask to be taken out of there because he knew he couldn't get out of there. But he asked this request. Send word to my five brothers in the world so that they will not come into the awful place that I am in. And the answer that he got was this. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. And if they will not believe that, they will not believe if one rose from the dead. So that is two different ends. So be warned. And if I said that the believer goes into a tomb, a grave, where the sting has been taken out, the unbeliever goes into a tomb and the sting has not been taken out. You see, our sins have to be dealt with. That's, that's, that's what's going to happen. We, our sins will have to be dealt with on the cross of Calvary by, by Christ taking upon himself our sins as believers or we have to be to meet with these sins in pains of hell forever in hell. Now, you can dismiss that if you want. But that is what God is saying. If it was me that was saying, you could dismiss it. Ah, the provision that has been made for fallen man. That was not even made for the angels that fell. We fell in a covenant-head Adam, but we can be saved in a covenant-head Christ. 
but the angels, they sinned personally themselves. So there is no hope for them. No hope. Now secondly, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. As I have said, Christ on that day will be revealed from heaven. The sound of the trumpet, the last day. And every eye shall see him. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And if we are going to leave our confession to that last day, we are too late. And those, as I have said, who are in the graves would realise that this has got something to do with themselves. And there will be an earthquake, and there has never been an earthquake like it. And the graves will open. And look at the way that the believer is going to come out of that grave. Sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. One of the commentators said that the grave was the dressing room of the saints. They're coming out, not of course, as they went in. And as we had before, a few words that we had before we come up here. This is a mystery. Of course it's a mystery. But the believer believes in the word of God. And if God says that that's what's going to happen, the believer believes it. And if that is the promise of God, Finally, for me and for you, whatever tribulation you have, be thankful that you will one day see Christ yourself. Behold what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Probably one of the greatest well, at least one of the great saints, I'll put it that way, one of the great saints that I find in the Bible, who went through tribulations that we cannot even imagine. He lost his health, he lost his stock, he lost everything, lost his health, but yet that man, and he thought in the state that he was in that he was going to die. But that was not true. He wasn't going to die. God was going to restore his family. He had lost his family as well. He was going to restore his family and his dog back to him. But he thought he was going to die. And he said this. He was wanting this to be written with an iron pen in the rock 
I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that I will see him with my own eyes and not the eyes of another, even before his first coming into the world. He had this spiritual mind, that is true. And on that day, the promises of God will become possessions for the Lord's people. Many that sleep in the dust of the earth will rise. Some, and take this with you, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's the word of God. And the people of God will shine like the brightness of the firmament, it says. How are they going to shine? Why are they shining? Well, the Christ they followed down here upon the earth, and the Christ that they loved down here upon the earth, and the Christ that they believed down here upon the earth, they are now like him, and they shall see him as he is. They were wanting to be more like him in this world, and they were falling short daily, but now they are. And there are many comforts for the believer on this day of the resurrection and the judgment. And the first one of them is this. As I have said, the believer believes in Christ, loves Christ, followed Christ. And that is the one that is going to be on the judgment seat. But for the unbeliever, what about him? Well, there again, it is the Christ that we refuse to believe, that trampled the word of God and the promises of God and the truth, and he now is the one that is going to be their judge. He had invited them in this world to come so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But they wouldn't come. They refused. So he's now left church, banishing them to a lost eternity, to a lost eternity. So we should give more heed to our final state, the present state. Christ inviting them. Come into me, he said to you. All ye that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But no, I don't want you to rule over me. So we will get, if that is some state, we will get a reward. There is something here that I had written down and taken out of the word of God. The end of the unbeliever in God's word. 
First Thessalonians chapter 1, a very short chapter. I think there's just about 10 or 11 verses. Jesus is revealed from heaven, inflicting vengeance on those that did not know God and those that did not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't end there. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. That is what God says. Not what man says, but what God says. And it is very common for us to say this saying, there is no rest for the wicked. Not realizing that these, that same comes out of the word of God. But there is a rest for the believer. There shall rest for the believer. There remaineth a rest for the people of God. Blessed are the dead in Christ from henceforth, for they shall rest from their labor and their works will follow them. Now on this day, God, Christ, will be glorified in this, in this, in his sins. He will be glorified in their soul. He'll be glorified in their bodies. No wonder then that they are like. Now this appearing before the judgment seat People look at this appearing before the judgment seat of Christ who are on the outside and they come to this conclusion if I have made more good things in my life than bad things oh God will let me go into heaven. That is a foolish way to look at this. The most important work of all and the most important question of all what did you do with Christ? That's the one that has to be answered on this day. But the believers will also appear. We will all appear. The believers appearing not to be judged. That has already happened for most of them. They are not judged in whether they go to heaven or hell. That has already happened. They are appearing and they will be openly acquitted on that day. But I can't get away, and I'm not stressing this too much, and the pulpit is not the place for speculation at any time, but I have come to the conclusion myself after studying this, and I did a lot of studying over this. That may be the reason that the, the Christian appears as well is that they will get, as it says here, the things done in the body, whether they may be good or evil. And I came across two parables of Christ. One in Matthew chapter 25, and there was the parable of the talents. There was five talents given. 
There was two talents given and there was one talent given. And what? Do something with that until I come back. Do something with that. And also, Luke chapter 19, I think, yes, chapter 19. There was also there, he was going away, Christ making us parable about himself going away and he gave a pound to each of his ten servants to put them to work until I come. So I would imagine myself anyway, although I'm not too dogmatic over that, what it means is, and you would think that a holy and a just God would, that people would get a greater reward for what they have done than others. But having said that, I'm going to say this, that whatever they get, the Christian will be totally satisfied according to the word of God with what they got, what they get. I leave that one with you. You have a look at these two parables and see what they mean. And I think people can be slothful about following the Lord and others will be alive for God. So I think myself, but I'm not dogmatic about that, that that's what the, one of the reasons that we have to appear, that we will get. And did Christ not even, even, even after the, the coming and putting the sheep on one side and the goats on the other, doing a separation, did he not say to the Lord's people, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. Did he not say that to them? And they said, when did we do that for you? When did we saw you naked and in prison and clothed and hungry? What was the answer? Inasmuch as you have done it for the least of mine, you have done it for me. Now, time is running on. I was wanting to get into the final state of the people of God in the new heavens and the new earth. We know from the word of God that this earth that we are on is going to burn with fervent heat. Some people think that the earth that we are on is then going to be renewed. Some people think that it will be a completely new heaven and new earth. As regards that, I don't know. It doesn't matter a great deal to me. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And in the verse, it talks about eternal, the house eternal in the heavens. It is paradise regained. Now, what I spoke about before, the souls of believers as they are now, before his second coming, it is an intermediate state. That's what I'm going to call it. But now, they will be in the final state at the second coming. And John in Patmos, quite interesting, these last few chapters in Revelation, 
I'm not saying that they're all interesting. There are many that we don't understand, that I don't understand. But we have chapter 19 and chapter 20. Chapter 19 talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then you move into 20. And what we are talking about here, the books have been opened, the judgment has come. And if you take it, write it down to the end of chapter 20, of course there were no chapters at the start, and now you move into, into chapter 21, and what do you see? Or what did John see? He saw the new Jerusalem coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And personally, I think that that is one of the most beautiful pictures or words about the church and Christ we find in the word of God. That the church of Christ with all her faults is the bride and he is the bridegroom. Oh, I know that it's that he is also the shepherd and that we are the sheep. And if we take it if we take it into something that we see happening here. In the church, when a couple are getting married, the bridegroom is down here. They're not married yet. The bridegroom is down here. And he is waiting. He is waiting patiently for the bride to come down the aisle. And then we see the father with the bride on his arm, and he takes her down to meet. The groom. And then the minister performs the marriage ceremony. Quite interesting, all these things. And then, what, is, what do they do then? They go to have a banquet, I can't remember what I'm going to call it, in a hotel or something. And then, the bridegroom will take the bride to his own home. He'll take her home. And that's exactly what Christ is doing for his own people. There will be the marriage supper and he will take them to the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And as we heard in the morning from the minister, the earth that we are on is full of evil and always has been. But in this place that the new heavens and the new earth, read it yourself, chapter 21 in Revelation. There will be no evil, there will be no sin, and there will be no sin. And as the minister said in the morning, Satan who caused havoc and causes havoc 
even putting brother against brother and denomination against denomination, there will be none of these things. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more tears. And there will be no more theatres. The former things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How different the situation then of the believer and the unbeliever on this day. And the cries, I can't wait to, the cries of the torment of the unbeliever will go up forever and ever. There'll be no end to it. It's not me that's saying it is in the word of God. But much as I try to delve into what it was like, I must admit that I didn't get too far. And I, I must say what the Queen of Sheba said when she saw the riches of Solomon. The half was not told me. And I, I go back to one person who was on the air and he was caught up into the third heaven. And he heard things there other that no man could utter. And it took him 14 years to even speak about it. Because, you know why? Because we could not understand how glorious the place is. That was the Apostle Paul. He didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. I don't know how you feel tonight or how people may be listening to this afterwards are feeling tonight. Maybe you are feeling quite weak as a Christian and maybe thinking that you will not make it into glory. Afraid that uh, the dress that you have was not given by him. And the ring that is on your finger was not given by him. I know that for many people, and it's not, it's not confined to this congregation. It is island-wide, I almost know that there is a deadness amongst the Lord's people, a coldness. And you are probably saying, where is the blessedness I knew when one first I saw the Lord? Afraid that you will not be there. But take your mind back. I'll take your mind back just now. When you were in the far country, without God and without hope in this world. And how you came to yourself in the far country. Why? 
with the help of God, of course. And you made your way to the Father. And you had a prayer coming. Father, I have sinned in the heaven and in thy sight. I am not worthy to be called thy son. Remember that. When you were converted. Well, banish these thoughts that you will not see glory out of your mind. Because on that day, what did the Father say to you? Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. For my son was lost and he is found. He was dead and is alive again. Nobody else could do for you what Christ has done. He chose you, he loved you, he cleansed you, and he has kept you up until this very moment. And he went, of course, to the cross for you. Are you saying, but you don't know what I am going through, the sufferings that I have, and the things that I am going through. Well, what did Paul say? I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And one final thing. I'm going to bring this to an end. One final thing. When Christ was on this earth, he prayed for you and he prayed for me. Before you were even born, he prayed for you. And I give you the words that he said. Father, I will that those that thou hast given me be with me where I am, so that they may behold my glory. And every time a Christian dies, there is an answer to that prayer. They are on the way to glory. Amen, and may the Lord bless to us these few thoughts in his word. Let us pray. O oh, gracious and eternal God, we thank thee for thy goodness to us. We thank thee that thou hast kept us up until now. And thou art able to keep us from falling and to present us spotless before thy glory with exceeding great joy. Bless thy word, Lord, wherever it is preached on this day, that it would be accompanied by the power of the Spirit. For Christ's sake, amen. <laughs>